Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Now, the neuroscience of listening, there's three numbers we need to think about. 125... 400 and 900 125 words a minute you speak at if you're a horse race caller or an auctioneer you might get up to about 200 words a minute but we'll still be able to comprehend what they say but most of us speak in a range of about 125 to 150 words a minute which is great for us as the speaker what's happening for the listener this is where 400 comes in as a listener we can listen to up to 400 words per minute So neurologically, we're actually programmed to be distracted. We have peripheral vision, but we also have peripheral hearing. That's our ability to hear more than one thing at the same time. So whilst I'm listening to the speaker speaking at 125 words a minute, I'm actually distracted. I'm filling in 300 words a minute. I could be figuring out what to order for dinner this evening. I could be figuring out... Uh, what my travel arrangements might need to be for the weekend. I might need to figure out if I need to pick up my kids from school. There's a whole bunch of things that are going through my head, filling in those extra 300 words a minute. In fact, it's happening right now. Whether you're commuting, whether you're exercising, whether you're at home listening to this, you're filling in gaps while I'm speaking because I'm not speaking fast enough because you can listen at 400 words a minute. Now, bear with me and show me a bit of empathy as a speaker because I've got a problem that's twice the size of yours. As a speaker, although I can speak at 125 words a minute, I can think, on average, 900 words a minute. So I have 900 words in my head trying to get out at 125 words a minute. It's a one in nine chance that what I say is what I mean. There's an 11% chance that what I say is what I mean. And most of us only listen superficially to the first round. How you dare, how you dare. That was the voice of Oscar Tromboli. And this was a very personal episode for me. Now, Oscar is an expert in deep listening, this concept that really goes into what it is to make impact beyond words. And it's deeper than active listening, pun intended. And it's, it's a simple concept, you know, it's a simple concept of being able to be listeners. He says that we're taught to speak often, but we're not actually taught to listen. And he helped me uncover some things within myself. I'm in a field where I do a lot of listening as a coach, as a consultant, but also as someone who studies cultures in different backgrounds. But, you know, I went back to a previous relationship I'd had and You know, even though I felt justified with, you know, my my actions, he helped me understand how I could have handled that, even if the outcome could remain the same. And I hope that as you listen to this episode, you're finding yourself in it as well. It's it's really something that we need to do. I talk about the way we interact with people and how we need to humanize people. One of the best ways to do that is to listen. So really reflect on this episode. Take your time and listen. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Oscar Tromboli. And Oscar is an executive coach, author, and speaker. He's passionate about exploring the role listening plays in bringing positive change into homes, workplaces, and the world. What we're going to be talking about is what 
poor listening is costing you today, and also how to make impact beyond words. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kyle. Really looking forward to listening to your questions and uh, curious to see how we stretch everybody's concept about what it means to listen and listen beyond the words. Uh, you know, I am fascinated with this because we were talking pre-show and we were talking about this concept of listening. It's very common. You know, you go to the dictionary and people say what listening is. Everyone always says, just listen, just listen, just listen. But you have an interesting way of explaining it. And, and it's very quick read for those listening. The book is called Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. So make sure you get it. But you say, um, I bookmarked it here. Our ability to listen is not just one of the most critical skills. It's fundamental and essential to the survival of our species. So why do you believe that it's fundamental and essential to the survival of our species? If you think about every conflict that's ever taken place on this planet between humans, that's all come about as a result of the lack of listening. You know, my, my parents were uh, migrants from the, the Second World War. They came to Australia and I grew up in an area where there was 23 different nationalities at my school. And every single one of those kids and their parents had either fled uh, Vietnam, they'd fled Eastern Europe, they'd fled South America, all because of conflicts in in their regions, in their countries, in their hometowns. And whether it's at home, in at work, or in society more generally, most conflict is a result of lack of listening, not more talking. In the 21st century, we've never had more tools to broadcast what we think, and yet we've never had a greater lack of listening. We all can see in color, but we all listen in black and white. We all listen in two dimensions, and we typically listen to confirm our point of view rather than exploring what could be useful in what's different. And that's what's holding us back. Yeah, yeah. We're listening to confirm, not to understand or not to affirm. And it's 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 interesting you say that. I, I say a lot of the problems we have in today's world are because people have had interesting relationships with differences, anything different. You know, they've had adverse relationships. But even to go even deeper than that, it is because, you know, whether you when you strip away the biases and the, the fears and the ignorance, a lot of times they haven't listened whether to themselves or to other people to know how to humanize them. <laughs> and when you don't know how to humanize people, it, it becomes easy for you to just feel like your way is the only way or even to just become dismissive of the other person. So it, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's, so it's, yeah, go ahead. One of the, one of the struggles with bias is we, we often don't realize it's there. I was at an awards dinner, uh, Two, two Tuesdays ago, and I was, I was sitting next to a lady, Anshika. She's her origins uh, Indian, but she's second generation Australian. And, and I said to her, as you look out at this room, what's missing? And she says, Oscar, we've got plenty of women here. I said, no, that's not what I mean. And she goes, I'm lost. What do you mean, Oscar? I said, there are no Asians in this room. She said, oh, my God. I'm from an Asian heritage and I didn't even see it. How hard is it to see past your bias? And I, and I think for a lot of us, unless we have a different mirror put up in front of us by somebody else, something we listen to, something we read, something we watch, we're stuck in our own little part of the world. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. She gave me a hug as we left that evening. And she said, well, what can we do together to bring up that Asian contingent for the awards next year? I said, I'm all in. What about you? And she said, ah, oh, you, you just punched me in the face tonight. And I said, <laughs> well, it wasn't my intention, but I'm, I'm glad it brought about change. You know, that segues nicely into what you call conscious listening. You know, you say when we become conscious of how we listen, we begin to listen through the following perspectives. One, intentional. Two, systemic. Three, curious. And four, progressive. And I'd love for you to dive into that because what I want this podcast to be is really an opportunity for people to reflect on their own listening habits and then learn how they can apply those things. And when you gave that example, it, it's obvious that put, having a mirror put in front of you can then spark this intention and make you more conscious about these things. So yeah, please let us know. Conscious listening are like the superheroes of listening. It's, it's where the good exists in our listening. Yeah. I learned through one of my own biases. So I, I, I was, <laughs> I was writing for two and a half years on the topic of listening, and two things struck me. Uh, 
I was writing about the positive elements of listening and what great listening looks like and who are the great listening superheroes of the world. And I got next to no engagement. I got next to no feedback. <laughs> and the other thing I was doing, I was writing about it. And a good friend of mine, Dermot, said, Oscar, isn't it obvious what you should be doing when it comes to listening? And I said, Dermot, I'm missing something here. He goes, get on podcasts. Get them to practice their listening by listening to you. Isn't that obvious? And I went, <laughs> it is now, Dermot. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and in that frustration, and, and the point I want to make here is the difference between hearing and listening is the action you take. To honor Dermot, I could have just said, yep, thank you. I, yeah, that makes complete sense and done nothing with it. And how many people have we ever spoken to who don't listen to us and merely hear what we say? So one of the things I want each of us to think about is the difference between hearing and listening is the action we take. It's not enough for somebody to tell you something repeatedly and you're not taking any action on it. Listening is the willingness to have your mind changed. And that means you, you need to display great humility when it, when it comes to listening. So the second part of that story is I got so frustrated by writing and having nobody give me any feedback. I, got, I wrote from a place of frustration and I wrote about the four villains of listening. These are the opposite to the conscious listeners. These are the super villains. And I posted that and the engagement went through the roof. You see, I think most of us think we're good listeners. That's the starting point of the problem. Here's, here's three numbers that fascinated me. 81% of us think we're above average car drivers. 86% of us think we're above average IQ. And 83% of us think we're above average listeners. Now, for those who know maths really well, only 50% can be above average because that's the definition of average. Yet most of us think we're above average. So it wasn't till I introduced these villains of listening that people started to really notice, have the awareness to make a change. Because when I introduced the conscious listening superheroes, everybody thought they were the superheroes and they didn't have enough awareness to make the change. So if you just bear with me. I'm going to explain the four villains of listening. Please. Think, of it, think about the worst listener you know and see which one of the, the four they fit into. Bear in mind, listening's situational and relational. We'll listen differently to a parent than a police person. We'll listen different to a parent, to a school principal. We'll listen differently to an accountant than we will to a doctor. We'll listen differently to a sibling than we will somebody who's a school student. So all these contexts play out because listening is situational and it's relational. So keep the worst listener in mind as I go through this. And you can play this too, that's no problem. Okay. The first one, the first listening villain is the one we know the most because they're the most overt. It's the interrupting listener. The minute you draw breath, they think it's their commercial break to jump in and tell you what to do. Now, the interrupting villain uh, is actually coming from a good place. They want to solve faster, but listening and solving isn't the same thing. If you're a man out there, here's a tip. When you listen, stop trying to fix women because they aren't broken. Men listen to fix and women listen to feel, and that's why there's a great frustration across the genders because men and women tend to listen very slightly, but significantly in this case, differently. So men, if you're listening, don't try and fix her. She's okay. Just listen. So that's the interrupting listener. The next listener is the lost listener. The lost listener is distracted. They're either distracted by the last conversation, the next conversation, something happening around them. They could be lost by their mobile device. They could be lost by a computer. They could be lost by something that's going on in their head. Their radio station that they're listening to while they're pretending to listen to you is a frequency that's very different. They come across as vague. They 
quite often have a look on their face that's mm, not quite sure what you're saying here. So the, the lost listener is somebody that in our database are represented by about 22% of listeners. They're not sure why they should be in the conversation in a workplace setting. They might get invited to a meeting and they're trying to figure out it by the 15 minute mark. They're still feeling around the conversation and understanding their role in it as well to listening villains to go. The dramatic listener, the dramatic listener loves your stories because it gives them a stage to tell an even bigger story about themselves. I was working with a client uh, about six months ago and she told me the story of her boss. She went into her boss and said to her boss, I, I need to go to my grandmother's funeral. Do I have permission to go to my grandmother's funeral? On Wednesday, she asked that on a Monday. Anyway, 12 minutes later, the boss told her how dramatically confronting it was to go to her own grandmother's funeral, how she's never really got over the death of her grandmother. And as a result, it's hard for her. So my client just said to her at the end of the 12 minutes, so do I have permission to go to the funeral? Oh, yes, yes, of course. But the dramatic listeners love your story because it gives them a theater to play on. Finally, the shrewd listener. A shrewd listener come across as amazingly thoughtful, deep, intense listeners. They typically have their hand on their chin and they're nodding and they're giving great verbal affirmations like, mm-hmm, tell me more. But if you were to see the subtitling going on in their mind, it would say something like, yeah, I can solve that problem. Can you give me a more complicated one? Yeah, that's a really basic problem. Can you speed it up? Because I'm like an expert in that topic. Now, these villains are disproportionately represented in salespeople. They're disproportionately represented in consultants, doctors, lawyers, anybody who takes a brief. Did anybody come to mind when I mentioned any of these listening villains for you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I'm a consultant. So for me, uh, and a coach, I, a lot of the role I'm in is definitely the shrewd listener basic, but mm. I, I want to talk about the, the first one, the interrupting listener. I, I remember an ex, my, this is a relationship I, I had. And I remember, cause initially I was, you know, I would always listen, 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 but it got to a point where I kept feeling attacked and defensive all the time. You know, like mm -hmm. she would, I, there were some trust issues cause she didn't, she, for some reason always would think that something was going on and it wasn't actually true. But then I got so defensive that almost every time she would say something, uh, I would interrupt in instantly just to, to, to prove her wrong or to do that. And it, it was I, like, I started to see her as an enemy and I wanted to, it, she would make a comment that was like, she's on trial or something because I just wanted to systematically dismantle everything wrong because I felt so um, unfairly treated and unconsciously it, it, I just channeled <laughs> that to prove something wrong. And I often wonder if there was another way to, to have approached that because I mean, I think the best decision was made, but the fact that um, for me, my character is always my biggest thing. <laughs> and when someone attacks it without even, without even being truthful about it, it for some reason it, it was a trigger of mine. So I, that, that was what I kept thinking of because. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let's play with that. Let's give you yeah. a couple of practical tips if you're back in that situation. For, for, for a lot of interrupting listeners, uh, they, they, they're coming from a place of, just genuine curiosity, but they also are impatient. So one thing I would say to the interrupting listener is uh, treat silence like it's another word. Listen to silence fully. The beginning of silence, the middle of silence, and the end of silence. Treat it silence respectfully. And then when you're tempted to answer or interrupt, you'll be surprised if you just count now, some people would say bite your tongue, but count one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, and you'd be surprised what else you learn. If they've come to a natural pause, the interrupting listener should become comfortable and practice these example phrases. Tell me more. Mm. What else? And you will be amazed what else happens. If I could tell you a little bit about the neuroscience of listening, it will all make sense why those phrases and silence are so potent. In the West, we have a 
uncomfortable relationship with silence. We call it the awkward silence, or we call it the pregnant pause. Mm. Yet in the East and many traditional storytelling cultures, silence is a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign that we are comfortable in our own skin and we don't need to rush to words. Now, the neuroscience of listening, there's three numbers we need to think about. 125, 400, and 900. 125 words a minute you speak at. If you're a horse race caller or an auctioneer, you might get up to about 200 words a minute, but we'll still be able to comprehend what they say. But most of us speak in a range of about 125 to 150 words a minute, which is great for us as the speaker. What's happening for the listener? This is where 400 comes in. As a listener, we can listen to up to 400 words per minute. So neurologically, we're actually programmed to be distracted. We have peripheral vision, but we also have peripheral hearing. That's our ability to hear more than one thing at the same time. So whilst I'm listening to the speaker speaking at 125 words a minute, I'm actually distracted. I'm filling in 300 words a minute. I could be figuring out what to order for dinner this evening. I could be figuring out uh, what my travel arrangements might need to be for the weekend. I might need to figure out if I need to pick up my kids from school. There's a whole bunch of things that are going through my head, filling in those extra 300 words a minute. In fact, it's happening right now. Whether you're commuting, whether you're exercising, whether you're at home listening to this, you're filling in gaps while I'm speaking because I'm not speaking fast enough because you can listen at 400 words a minute. Now, bear with me and show me a bit of empathy as a speaker because I've got a problem that's twice the size of yours. As a speaker, although I can speak at 125 words a minute, I can think on average 900 words a minute. So I have 900 words in my head trying to get out at 125 words a minute. It's a one in nine chance that what I say is what I mean. There's an 11% chance that what I say is what I mean. And most of us only listen superficially to the first round. I go to a doctor way too much at this stage in my life. And if they gave me an 11% chance of surviving a surgery, I'd be asking for a second opinion. Yet very few of us with conversation ask for a second opinion. That's why tell me more or what else, or just waiting and pausing through the silence, will start to reveal some amazing code words coming back from the speaker. They'll say amazing words like, it's usually preceded by some kind of sigh if you give them enough time. I'll say something like, well, actually, what I really meant to say was, or they'll say, hmm, what's really important that we need to discuss right now is, or what matters the most to me is, have you ever heard any of these code words? I'm, that, it's in, <laughs> I'm practicing your method here of, of pausing here, and I have heard those code words and I've used those code words and I've used them because I know that when I'm, you know, working with diversity and inclusion, you have to hear different sides and people have to be feel seen, heard and understood. And you need to really feel what that it's like. I, I guess what, what I, what's really causing me to pause even further is that I've been interviewing podcasts since 2014. So I've, I think I've developed good listening skills with that, you know, allowing people to speak and, and making sure they get their stories, speaking on stage, same sort of thing, having structured dialogue consultant. But I keep going back to that experience, the the inter in the interrupting one where how it was it seems so possible for me to be good in those other prof uh, pers uh, professional areas. But when it came to that, I think for me, the most important thing was I knew the other person was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and I felt like whatever she said was going, it wasn't going to help anything. And, you know, it, it felt like it was more attack. And I don't know what to do in that situation that, that you stopped me there because then it's because I'm not even trying to understand at that point. I'm just defending myself, it seems like. And, um, mm. and, yeah. and if we were working together, yeah, 
when I when I hear you say, I knew the other person was wrong. It wasn't yeah. even the was wrong part of the conversation. I knew we can't know all the time, all the context. Mm-hmm. And again, I come back to the point that listening is the willingness to have your mind changed. Mm. And I'm just curious what existed in their context to make it wrong for you. Well, I mean, I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so, um, I actually didn't, you know, I didn't do what I was accused of. Um, and it, it was interesting just hearing how sure someone was when you know that that didn't happen. Um, I, you know, I, and I, I've I've grown up in a in a family where you know infidelity was uh, was was there, and so for me, I have an interesting relationship with it, where it's something that I I don't like, and it, it really informed me in terms of being unfaithful. So to, to I guess to be accused of something that I I know is not core to who I am felt like a slap in the face uh, mm. <laughs> to me. And I, yeah, so go ahead, sorry. Yeah. It reminds me of the story of a client I was working with about two and a half years ago. His name was Mick, and Mick had been working with me for about 90 days, and he rang me up on a Monday morning at about 8.15, and he was in the car, and I was in the car, and he said to me, you nearly cost me my marriage last Friday night. Really? And I went, wow, tell me more. You used it. (laughs) You said that before. (laughs) He said uh, it was about 7.30. My wife had put our our children to bed. The dinner table was cleared. And she said to me those words, you never want to hear from your wife. Come over to the dining table. We need to talk. Mm. And I said, tell me more. And he said, We sat down, she looked me straight in the eye and said to me, I can handle the truth. I need you to be honest. Who are you having an affair with? Now, Mick could have automatically gone into defensive mode. Right. But he'd been working with me for 90 days on his listening. And he said, tell me more. So he said, tell me more to his wife. And she said, I can handle the truth. I just want you to be honest. I don't want you to make excuses. I just want you to tell me because in the last 90 days, you've never paid me so much attention in the last 90 days for a whole 12 years of our marriage. So tell me the truth. Who is it? Mm. So he paused, he drew his breath in, he was a little bit cheeky. And Mick said, it's not who you think it is. And she said, I can handle the truth, just tell me. And he said, well, it's actually a man. And with that, she burst out crying. He grabbed her hand and he said, no, 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 it's not that kind of a man. It's, I've been learning how to listen for the last 90 days. And she composed herself as he told her that I'd been working with him. I'd been helping him to listen in the workplace, but it had some spillover effects in the home life. Well, she gave him a hug. She held him tight and she said, I've never felt so sexy in our whole 12 years of our marriage as I have in the last 90 days. I knew you had to be having an affair because you were paying me so much attention. I knew this attention paying was to deflect away from the affair that you were having. I'm so glad that you're learning how to listen. And the rest of the conversation is kind of X-rated, kind of explained to me. He had a very good. (laughs) Well, never mind. No, trust me. Uh, I understand. Ah, gosh, Oscar, I've got to tell you. So it's interesting. So if I'm to go back to that, since we're using, I guess I'm using myself as the villain here. Um, mm. So something that I could have said, even if I knew, like, because yeah, you, you questioned the knowing thing. I was like, I mean, it's either one thing or the other. You did it or you didn't, right? But I know it didn't, it didn't happen. And so if I had employed more, tell me more. 
tell me more if i i think at that moment my ego was winning right if i just said yeah yeah if i just said tell me and then for me because you know what what was happening was because it's been repeated over Mm. i think it had been repeated over three months and i initially i was patient with it and then i just lost the patience Mm. and so i i almost had this despair (laughs) where I was saying to myself, well, there's no more point. I, this, I'm just done, you know? I was fed up, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, that, that was what I was competing with. And, you know, I was just like, so is the ego. I don't deserve this. What, what, what the heck, what more can I do to, to keep doing this? You always think something is, you know, that's that kind of thing. And so even in that moment, you, you still say, even if it's gone on <laughs> for a long time, you just say, tell me more, tell me more. And, and here's the big distinction between active listening and deep listening. Active listening is to help you make sense of what the speaker is saying. Deep listening is to help the speaker understand what they mean. If you can suspend judgment for long enough and help them make sense of what they mean, they think you're a potent listener and you're making an impact beyond words. Your job is actually not to make any sense of what they say. Your job is to help them understand what they mean. And if you can help them unpick those extra 800 words stuck in their head, because our mind is like a washing machine. When we think, it's like the washing machine is on wash cycle. It's dirty water. It's sudsy. It's agitating. It keeps moving around, and it feels like it's making no progress. But the minute we speak, it's like the rinse cycle there's a, a clarity, there's a clearness, there's a, all the all the noise in our head is washed out by this clean water of speaking. If we can help the person just to explore just one more round, an extra 125 words, we make a 50% improvement in their understanding of what they're trying to say. Yeah. Because in, in most cases, it's it's what it means for them rather than what they're saying if we can help them understand what it means then we can have an impact beyond words yeah that's definitely a suspension of ego then because i I, at that point i you have to remove yourself from the situation and figure out how to ensure that you know you're not taking it personal which is very difficult oscar not to take it not to take it uh, it's extraordinarily difficult yeah and it's made even more difficult if we have distractions around ourselves, 86% of people can't even get into the conversation because they're either distracted by external things, cell phones, laptops, or iPads. Uh. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. People walking around behind the speaker. Yeah. Uh, it could be any number of external distractions. And then there are internal distractions as well. What do I think about this topic? How am I making sense of this topic? Yeah. And and when have I experienced things like this? It's very hard for us to be empty and tuned into their frequency when we're always kind of tuning into our own radio station, which is typically being tuned by our ego it's listening is not a skill listening is a strategy listening is a practice and listening is a mindset for most of us we just think it's about hearing and if we can get to that space we'll we'll understand clearly three tips one remove the distractions two 
a hydrated brain is a listening brain. So drink a glass of water every half an hour. If you're in a workplace meeting, I strongly encourage you to drink a glass of water for every half an hour you're present in that meeting. And if you're in a personal setting, make sure there's water for you and for them. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. Why? Because the brain, although 5% of the body mass, it consumes 26% of the blood sugars. And listening, because we haven't been taught how to do it, is a really complex task that sits yeah. in the front of the brain, the, the, the more recent part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex. And if we're dehydrated, it's really difficult for our brain to perform at, at, at a level that we can suspend judgment. The third tip is the deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about getting into a yoga pose or any of that kind of state. But whether you're an Olympic athlete, whether you're a champion sniper, whether you're an opera singer, any elite performer always talks about the role their breathing plays in getting oxygen into their system. There was a study in Canada in 1993 by 410 people participating in two-way conversations and they had a, a little meter on their thumbs that measured their oxygen and the most productive conversations were correlated, not caused necessarily, but there was a co correlation between more productive dialogue and higher levels of breathing. And for most of us, we don't even notice our breathing. We don't notice when we're holding our breath. We don't notice when our breath is short. But if I was to take you back to that conversation and you thought about your breath, Tao, was it shorter? It was so short. I was, um, <laughs> I was heated. You know, you, your heart rate starts to go boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And the funny thing is I'm normally a calm person. I'm very excitable. I'm loud. I'm, you know, hyper and stuff like that. But in terms of with people, I'm normally warm. But at that moment, I could only see red. <laughs> and I was heated. I was like, this is it. I can't. I, I am, a, you know, I kept saying to myself, I'm a good person. Why is this person doing this to me? And, I, and I've, I've had maybe two or th I think three. I keep suggesting three big panic attacks in my life. Uh, and I'm turning mm -hmm. 30. So it's not, I don't, I don't have that often. But I was just breathing so heavily because I think I felt betrayed. <laughs> um and I felt like I needed to retaliate. <laughs> so mm. I was feeling so much anger, and a lot of that was just causing my my uh, my chest to go there. And I, it really had my chest uh, hurting, and I, I started having shortness of breath. So that that was that. That was exactly what that was. <laughs> so, so we we can get these great physical cues from our body, and and in that moment, the most difficult thing for us to do is just reconnect with our breathing because our heart's racing, our breath is short. Our, our listening will improve if we just take a moment. And as I walk into a building, if I'm about to see a client, uh, my protocol, my ritual, I step into the lobby. The minute I cross the lobby, sometimes that's a door that opens or it might be a revolving door or there might be no door, but at least the lobby's delineated. I take my phone out of my pocket. I switch it off. I put it in my bag. I go to the lift. And whilst in the lift, I just simply collect my breathing. I, I look down at my shoes. If there's no one in the lift, I'll close my eyes for about 30 seconds. Typically, it was a bit funny because last week I was in a 42-story building and my ears popped. So I had to make a right-hand turn once I left the, the lift because I got kind of off ritual. And I turned right instead of left to go into the actual lobby of the place I was visiting and just composed myself for 30 seconds in the restroom, came back out. And then as I was greeted at reception, they offered me uh, refreshments, coffee or tea. I asked for water. And if it's okay, if I could have a jug of water for the people in the room. Now that ritual for me has taken a decade to get to integration, but it's the practice of that consistently that helps me get into a state of peak listening. Yeah. Breathing, breathing definitely helps. Um, and you're right. You know, it's it's funny how you're asking me what my state of mind was in there. It was, uh, I was just thinking about myself and I was breathing heavily and I was ready to, you know, my thing was attack. 
<laughs> attack. Mm. And, yeah, because at that point, you know, at some point you you've had something, you've had it, you're enough of it. And and but when that happens to a loved one, that's very tricky. You know, sometimes you know you you're at war, you can channel. If you're playing sports, you're playing American football here or Australian rules football over there or rugby, you can channel that someone did something, you can go there, or you can use that with tennis or, you know, mm. basketball. But when it's with someone you love, it's often with words, I've noticed, or, or with actions or with pointed trigger or comments or passive aggression. And you, what happens in those moments when it's not, uh, when it's with those words is that you make a conscious or unconscious decision not to listen anymore. Most of the time it's probably unconscious. You're, you're, you're just not listening anymore. You're only concerned <laughs> with proving your point at any cost, almost. <laughs> and uh, and I, I can see how that dissolves a lot of once great relationships. You know, you talk about a lot of people who are best friends and it's often they had a big argument and they said some of the worst things to each other. <laughs> and and they, they'd say things will never be the same. <laughs> but it's because that's the case. You know, you just made that unconscious decision well you can't make an unconscious decision unconsciously decided not to do that um but i think it's because of what you said here it's we don't clear the clutter um mm. and that's your word there you said we need to clear the clutter we need to listen deeply to ourselves before we start the process of listening to others and the difference with what you're saying and what people normally do is you're saying we should do that basically all the time and some people like me i guess in the past have done that most of the time but when it's something that we know it's not true we just felt like nope i'm not gonna let you tell me who i am and you're saying it's just you should do it all the time <laughs> even if you feel wrongly <laughs> accused just do it all the time that's always gonna be benefit from that that's what you're saying it, it's a practice yeah most of us have been taught that good listening is about fixating on the speaker and starting our attention on the speaker that's useful, but that's like getting into a car without putting a seatbelt on. Uh, <laughs> you're kind of going to be at the mercy of whoever's driving. What I'm saying is before you even get to the point where you're going to engage in listening, you need to clear a channel on the frequency being played on that radio station for that person to interact with you because a lot of us will just bounce off the other person because we're not ready to listen. When we go to a, a music concert or a, a classic orchestra concert or even a, a school play or a dance recital, we go through a ritual as we move from stepping into the room to sitting in the chair. We get ready to listen. Yet, And that's because we pay money for those tickets. When <laughs> When we pay attention to somebody, we should be going through the same process. We should be getting to a point where we say to people, this is the most important thing I can do. In 2012, when I was at Microsoft, there was a visiting vice president, Peter. He came from Seattle to Sydney, which is a 24-hour flight. And I was hosting 20 CEOs in a boardroom inside a hotel room and Peter was to address them. Now, Peter's a pretty busy guy. He ran a business, maybe 300 million in revenue, maybe 50,000 staff. The guy was busy. He was busier than every person in the room. He was busier than that room combined. He sat down at the head of the table as I made an introduction and then he did something that I'll never forget. He interrupted me. He says, forgive me, Oscar. Um, I'm really sorry. He stood up. He took his cell phone. He switched it off. He put it in his bag. He came back. He sat down. He said, the most important thing I can give to everybody today is my complete and full attention. Please continue. Now, what do you think happened next, by the way? Everybody else put their phones down? 17 out of the 20 people put their phones off and in their bags. There were three people who, I don't know, maybe they put it in a silent mode, but I, I always have this memory of three people kind of holding out. They were the addicts. They, they couldn't detach. But what was interesting at the end of that meeting as Peter left at the 45-minute mark and went to the next meeting, and I continued with this group for uh, another 30 minutes, 
every one of them commented on how productive this meeting was because they were able to listen to each other. And we didn't talk about technology. And yet that group of 20 still in some form, nearly seven years later, meet on a quarterly basis. Um, sometimes there's only five of them. Sometimes there's up to 15 of them, depending on their schedule. They, they want to recapture that moment where they were all listening to each other. And many great businesses were built out of those conversations. But how many of us take just that amount of time? Now, it doesn't have to be uh, switch the cell phone off and what it was to learn later on. Peter had made that ritual into a theater because he wanted to role model great listening to anybody he worked with. And as a result of that, there are many people who will now switch off their phones who've interacted with Peter. The point is simple. We're all listening role models, and we can all teach people how to listen, not by what we say to them, but what we do and through our example. So whether you're a parent or whether you're a sibling, whether you're uh, a brother or a sister, whether you're a grandchild, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a manager, whether you're a staff member, we can all be great listening teachers through role modeling, great presence and paying attention. If all we did is did that as a starting point, we'd double our listening productivity. And as a result, we'd have fewer concerns. We'd have fewer conflicts in the workplace. We'd have fewer projects that run over schedule, we'd have fewer wasted calls with customers, we'd have fewer wasted briefing sessions with suppliers. The world will be a more productive place if we just took a bit of extra time to listen. And people get frustrated, don't get me wrong, they go, but it takes more time. And then I always say, not as much time as it takes to rebrief the project after it's gone off track. Not as much time as it costs to rehire a staff member because you didn't listen to them. And the examples can go on and on and on. That's an amazing example. And thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I was reflecting on what you were saying, that just the mere action of turning off your phone and acknowledging I want to be present with you all. That's impact beyond words. Um, and, and and I can see how that would, that would help, especially when you, you're talking about, talking about listening role models. You think about the person and the position of the person. If they can do it, you start to think to yourself, well, they're doing it and they're busier than all of us combined. Who am I not to do it? Um, so that's one way there with listening role model. But I, I also want to go back a little bit to something you said before. You talked about what was going on physically within me in that moment. Mm. Uh, what is your thought on taking space to calm down? Because sometimes, and so, so you can come back and listen from more presently, or maybe you can process your thoughts. Because sometimes we are very reactive, right? You know, you, you're in the heat of a moment. I, I think I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, politics here in America or different things when people say things back and forth. And a lot of times, you know, they, you know, people say, I shouldn't have said that. But if they had taken a few moments or I don't know how long, some people might need longer, a day or whatever. You know, what are your thoughts on that and taking space and making sure you're your best self? We can consciously do both, meaning we can do the timeout thing or we can notice sooner. So what a lot of Westerners do is live in their heads and don't live in their heart and in their stomach or their gut. Now, there's more nerve endings in our gut than there is in our mind, in our brain. And if we were conscious enough to notice, we will be sent a signal from our gut faster than we will to our brain. We'll feel something faster than we will get to a state of logical interpretation of that or how we do that. But most of us are too frantic, we're too busy, all of those things. So if you're stuck in that reaction, yeah, absolutely, you're right. The timeout is going to be effective and productive as long as you signal how long you need. Hey, I need a minute or hey, I need 10 minutes. But making it clear to the other person how long that timeout is and make it clear that that timeout's about you. Uh, mm -hmm. I, just, I, I just need to collect my thoughts right now for the next minute. Can you bear with me? 
Okay. Okay. Now, now for some of us, we might want to separate physically from the environment. We want, might want to step outside the room. We might want to step outside the building. But if what we do is I, I need a timeout and you walk away, their, their context is shattered. So is yours, by the way, because, you know, how much time do you really need to process this? For a lot of us, a minute is ample time if we just take that time to sit in the moment, drink a glass of water and breathe. Yeah. Take take three deep breaths and collect our thoughts. Then what happens next is more important than the time out. What happens next is your choice. You can either announce what's just gone on for you, or you can ask a simple question. What will make the remainder of our time together most productive? That could be another approach you adopt if your mindsets move from you to them or from you to us. You know, Oscar, I'm definitely going to give, uh, I, I didn't know this is going to turn into a personal thing, but I'll definitely give uh, her credit for this in the sense that you know, I know for me in the past, I will always say I need space, I need space, I need you know, time to you know, to cool off, especially because when, when you're in a mode where someone keeps doing something to you and you don't want to react in, the, in a bad way, you just... Re- recognize your triggers and so i would say I need, I, I need to step out or i need to stop or i need some time to myself and she would ask how long do you need and i would just keep it vague and to <laughs> your <laughs> and just be like i don't know you know whenever i'm ready essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> you know which is a bit of passive aggressiveness but also i just didn't know um but you did you you, you did you were just thinking it through rather than feeling it through Oh, you th- okay. Maybe, you know what? Maybe I did. Maybe I was on, I don't know. I guess I, you know, I will accept that. But the thing that I'm saying is in my head, whatever the truth was, I'd convinced myself that I didn't know, um, what time I, what time I needed. Um, and maybe it was even part of me trying to punish <laughs> the other, mm-hmm. other person, you know, now that I think of it, you know, you, that's a good point there. I just, just, yeah, maybe I was on, Constantly, maybe because I, I know that it's, it's it's something that I, I could do to do the same thing. But what a point I wanted to make is your point on clarity. Even if, okay, I need I need a couple hours. I'll call you back out in thirty minutes, or mm. give me some time. You're saying that that helps tremendously, and you know, as opposed to just leaving things vague. The, the vague, yeah, and, yeah, and it helps you more than them, because really, really, a, yeah, yeah, it gives you a box to go and process it in and go, okay. Uh, it's it's a couple of hours or or it's a couple of minutes. Ah, well, I'm I'm learning I'm, le- I'm learning a lot from you. It's it's interesting hearing that because I guess it really comes down to how you feel about the person. And if you if you value that, if you feel like that person is someone that you want to have in your relationship long enough, you know, think of it think of it as a parent and a kid. Even if you know mm-hmm. your kid is doing something wrong, um, a lot of times what you do is you find some sort of compassion to hold space to deal with, I don't know, rude comments or them saying, I don't want you at any, any of these things. You're the worst. You find compassion to just mm. find a way to do to do that because you know that you're their parent. And as their parent, you're not just going to leave them. And so if you translate that to maybe, I guess, a loved one, you, if you can tap into that compassion, it will lead into the empathy and you're like, okay. Clearly, this person is reacting from something they feel is there you you know the truth is not what they're saying but feel and allow the person allow the person to feel you said you know women listen to feel um and you just do what you need to do but make sure you're always creating a safe environment and saying okay 10 minutes from now i'll come back tell me more talk to me about what's going on what do we need to make sure that this is productive those type of things even Mm. if and that's that honestly oscar that's an elimination of ego because at that point, I think what a lot of men would be thinking is, you, you are telling me something that's not true and you're bruising my ego. And because I feel that way, <laughs> whether I'm doing it consciously or unconsciously, I have to make you feel the same way, <laughs> which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. And if you think about whatever your worldview might be, one of the questions I might ask you in that moment is, what did you do to create that situation? Now, I'm not talking about the accusation, but what did you do to create that situation? You know, you talked about 
I, I sense you were talking about some avoidance along the way. Did I hear that correctly? Of avoidance of, I'm not sure. Of, of having the conversation. Oh, no. I mean, I guess hmm, that's, that's a good question. No, for me, it was more of um, a lot of anger and I couldn't believe that we're here again typed in you know I, I thought we you know we had gone through this and now we're here with the same it's back to square one and so it was frustration and fed upness if that's a word <laughs> uh yeah. so I, I i don't know if it's avoidance but it was more I, i'm done fed up type thing i, I don't even want to i've tried so many times right it's been going on for months now i'm just done essentially mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that was where i was i don't know if that's avoidance it was just more i'm done <laughs> check yeah. out i guess so, yeah, and yeah. there it was. You yeah. were checked out. Yeah, checked out. I think what would make this productive would be what we just did, talking about the unsaid. Let's let's go to the unsaid. You said the uh, well, listening on a deeper level takes a great you know it takes great discipline and patience, but we need to be able to connect beyond words and phrases and sentences. So, mm. just how important is the unsaid? It's the only part of listening that matters is listening to the unsaid. Now, we, we kind of, there's five levels of listening. We've talked about listening to yourself. Level two, listening to the content. Level three, listening for the context. Level four, this is the ninja move. If, if Yoda was teaching you listening from Star Wars, this is where he'd spend his time because he'd say something completely counterintuitive like you need to listen to what's unsaid. And in knowing you all now know the 125-900 rule. That means I speak at 125 words a minute, but I have 900 stuck in my head every minute. Is your role as a deep listener to help me understand what I haven't said to make sense of everything there? It takes me into a meeting room where I was hosting a group of leaders in a technology company uh, in Melbourne, uh, about three years ago, it was quite one of those really narrow, dusty rooms. It was kind of our autumn time. But in Melbourne, it's very famous for its weather. They say in Melbourne, you can have four seasons in one day. And this is very much one of those kinds of days. It was sunny. It was windy. It was rainy. It was all those things. And it was about 10 to 12. And there was 11 leaders in this room and I'd, I'd simply posed an, an exercise for the group. This group was a technology company that had been growing really strongly, 30% growth year on year. It was amazing growth for them, but they got frustrated because their growth had slowed down. The CEO had brought me in to facilitate their planning for the next 12 months. And we were just before the lunch break and the CEO was giving me these laser eyes. You know, if you're in a comic strip, his laser beam eyes would be laser beaming into my head and blowing my head off because he was kind of like looking at the time at 10 to 12 as if to say, lunch is coming, don't hold up lunch. Now, given the group an exercise, if our organization was an animal, what animal would it be? And for 10 of the 11 people, they all said some kind of bird of prey, an eagle, an osprey, a, a vulture, something that moved fast, something that could swoop, something that could gather prey, something that could move fast. But we hadn't heard from Eileen, the last person in the room. Eileen was a card-carrying member of the introvert community. And how do you know they're card-carrying members of the introvert community? You say, put your hand up if you're an introvert. And they're too introverted even to put their hand up when you say, put your hand up if you're an introvert. And I could feel the CEO still looking at me and I was deliberately not looking at him and it was about five to 12 now. And Eileen wasn't somebody you would go up to and say, what are you thinking? It wouldn't make it safe for her. So I stepped a step away from the center of the room slightly towards her and with an outreach palm, I simply held it there for her as an invitation. She drew breath and said, I thought it was obvious. And paused again. And everybody around her, you could feel the tension in the room increase because everybody 
it's kind of frustrated if it's obvious and tell us what it is. So I just took one further step towards her and reached out with both palms this time in an invitation. Now, I haven't said anything to her this whole time, just simply made an invitation to speak what she hasn't said. She said, I thought it was obvious that our organization is really like a snake. Now I'm going to pause, come out of the story and ask what's going through your mind when we think about what's a snake. Cunning, deceitful, slithery, slippery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, I mean, the only thing I can think of is a nerd thing. I'm a, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, Slytherin, mm. but that's the only yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. And you can imagine for the 10 other men in the room, all from uh, a similar background. You see, Eileen was from Asia. They have a different relationship with snakes. I said, tell me more. I didn't make any judgment. I just said, tell me more. She said, snakes sense ahead. Snakes shed their skin and adapt every change in the season and we've forgotten to sense ahead and we've forgotten to adapt and shed our skin for our customers. And you could feel the tension go out of the room. The conversation exploded and we, everybody got into a conversation then about what a snake could mean for the organization. And as a result, snake became a motto for their uh, product development cycles. Could they sense ahead? And how could they sense on behalf of clients? And what were the poor processes and poor practices that they needed to shed to stay there for their customers? Now that conversation finished at 12.35 and the CEO had well forgotten about the food and so had the rest of the group. If I'd made a choice in that moment to ignore the, the card-carrying introvert in the room, I didn't even ask them, I just put my hands out. How many people's opinions are you ignoring because they don't come from the same background as yours, the same profession, the same dogma about business as you in that moment as a result of Eileen's courage to speak up and give the example of the snake, the business enjoyed 50, 60, and 70% growth for the next three years, unheard of in their history of 30% growth because she unleashed something. I'm not saying it was because of me and my exploration of the unsaid, but there are many people inside organizations whose opinions are either not invited or were still invited and ignored because they're not the standard dogma. They're not the, they don't come from the same profession as everybody or they don't come from the same educational background or the same cultural background or the same language background as everybody else. That's the power of listening to the unsaid. Well, I couldn't have, I couldn't have ended this in a better way. Oscar Tromboli, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary individuals. This has been an amazing uh, listen, an amazing therapeutic episode for me un unintentionally. <laughs> um, I just thought I was going to ask a few questions and then maybe I had some personal curiosities, but uh, you, you found a way to turn it around to me, Oscar, and it's well appreciated. I appreciate that. Where can we find out more about your work? There, there's five myths about listening that most people hold really tightly. And if you visit listeningmyths.com, you'll get a, a simple downloadable that'll tell you what the five myths are, but more importantly, what to do about those five myths to make you a really productive listener within five minutes of reading the downloadable. So if you visit listeningmyths.com, that will become the doorway so you can access the deep listening research, the deep listening books, the deep listening playing cards, jigsaw puzzles, and uh, soon to be released a, a listening quiz so you can automatically find out which listening villain you are as well. Okay, okay. And uh, oscartrimboli.com as well? Yep, that is another place to find me. <laughs> I'll make sure I put all this in the show notes as well as uh, opportunities to get your book. It's a, it's, a, it's a quick read and he's also got cards, I believe. Yeah, playing cards. Here. Yeah, playing cards here that really help with uh, a lot of your, um, you know, 
deep listening. So I, I've got to thank you so much for the episode. Before I let you go, I have one final question. My question is, my mission statement reframed as, as, a, as a question, and that is, how do you use your difference to make a difference, Oscar? Well, in a world that's teaching everybody how to speak, I'm trying to teach the world how to listen. I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. Why 100 million? It's 2% of the Earth's population. And Malcolm Gladwell said if you can get an idea to 2% of the population, it's a tipping point. If we could all listen differently, if we could all listen a little bit more deeply, there'd be less chaos, confusion, and conflict in the world. That's the difference I'm trying to make. Well said. Thank you so much. We're using this difference to make a difference by promoting listening in a world of mostly speakers. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for listening. The pleasure is mine. And ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.